This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring John Martellaro from the Mac Observer. A little bit later, we'll talk to Rob Pegarero from Yahoo Tech and USA Today. He went to the Consumer Electronics Show, CES. So we'll talk about the new stuff. If there was anything compelling there to talk about, maybe we'll talk to John a bit about that, too. On the Tech Night Owl Live. So there's a big story, John, suggesting that Time Warner or parts of it may be prepared to be acquired by Apple. Now, we hear stories every so often about Apple buying this company or another company. What's the scoop here? Is this going to make sense? Well, first of all, from what I understand, Time Warner's not yet officially up for sale, but Apple is sort of monitoring the situation. Time Warner's revenues have been down. The scuttlebutt is that they may at some point decide they're looking for a buyer because of the revenue trajectory. If they were to come up for sale, the rumor is that Apple might consider snapping them up. The reason, of course, is that Apple makes hardware as we all know, the beloved Apple TV. But Apple's been having a hard time convincing the content providers to assist them with a subscription package. And I've written about this, and I think we may have even talked about it. Apple would like to sell a subscription package for 25 to $40 a month. Most carriers are getting a lot more from us. So to the extent that Apple could move a lot of customers through cord cutting over to their Apple TV and a subscription plan, there would be a shift from millions of people paying $100 a month to millions of people paying maybe $40 a month, which isn't such a savory perspective from the viewpoint of the content providers. So Apple's had a, had a hard time, as we've watched the rumor mill, getting getting that lined up. One of the natural solutions would be to own a lot of the content you know, be in a position to create new content and deliver that content that you're now the owners of over your Apple TV. Now, there was some minor complications and not everything would be rosy, but Apple's a big company. They haven't been getting their way. Uh, they like to sell media. Uh, they like to give people a reason to buy their Apple TV hardware. I think it makes reasonable sense for Apple to acquire Time Warner. You know, years ago, there was a discussion about Apple acquiring Comcast because Comcast owns NBC Universal. And there's a lot of content to there. Time Warner owns a lot of products. Let me give you a list here as I was writing a story about this. Time Warner. Now just remember here, Time Warner is Warner Brothers Pictures, which owns DC Comics, which owns oh, Batman, Superman, yes. oh. Supergirl. Now remember it's not doing as well in the movies as Marvel Comics, but it's still a pretty big property. Let's look at the cable TV networks. HBO, Cinemax, TNT, CNN, TBS. There's a lot of stuff there. Now, th- this wouldn't be, however, Time Warner Cable, which is being spun off. Right. It would just Time be the Warner entertainment Cable's properties. Not associated with them anymore. Yeah. It would be what's left. Wouldn't that also include Time Magazine, though? 
I, that I don't know. I didn't have a chance today to research that. But my theory is, is that to the extent Apple can deliver on its own terms some content and do it really, really well, it opens the door to Apple delivering a lot more content. Okay, but the thing I wonder about here is Apple owns Time Warner. Now, Apple also has close ties with Disney, which owns Lucasfilm, Star Wars, and mm. Marvel, which is the Avengers and all that stuff, and Spider-Man, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on TV, and ABC Network, and the Disney theme parks. But the question I have here is, would Disney want to sign with Apple knowing it owns Time Warner? Would Comcast Universal want to sign with Apple knowing it owns Time Warner? What about Viacom, which is Paramount Pictures and Star Trek? Well, that's a good question. Politics of that are complex. Uh, I'm not deep into it. My sense of it is is that Disney and Apple have sort of agreed along the years to not get too closely linked. Remember, Steve used to be on the board of directors of Disney. But Disney's always kind of maintained its, its independence in that respect. So, yeah, the people think about that when this Time Warner thing comes up. You know, why hasn't Apple struck a deal I mean, we've got a Disney app, right? You can you can download the Disney app and do Disney shows on Apple TV, as far as I know. I, know I think, however, there. when you have those apps, you have to have a deal with a cable or satellite provider and log in with that on many of these deals. Okay. Unless they have a separate pay deal, That's like CBS. CBS has a streaming TV service, and right. they're... All you do is you need to pay the monthly fee after the initial trial. The thing that bothers me also about a Time Warner tie-up with Apple is the purchase price. I was looking at the market cap, which was $56 billion. And usually you pay, what, twice the market cap to buy a company? That's $112 billion. I don't see the money in it. It doesn't make sense. Apple would never make that kind of money or really pay off this deal with a streaming TV service. Well, sometimes these deals are not all cash, as you know. Sometimes they're a stock thing plus cash. No, I understand. I just don't see it. You could go along with any opinion you want. I don't well, see it know, for the reason of the... It. Part of it is the reason here, I guess, would be for Apple to jumpstart a TV subscription service. Okay, we've got all this great content from Warner Brothers. We've got the TV networks. We've got all this stuff. we got Superman and Batman and Supergirl and, and The Flash and Arrow. We own all that. Plus, they have half an interest in the CW network with CBS. So there's a lot of stuff there. I could see. The price does not make sense to me. I don't think it would be any better than when AOL bought Time Warner in 2000. I just don't see this deal. I mean... Let's face it, you could disagree with me. I agree it is certainly, if the price is right, would be a very compelling property. But, you know, I just think it'll be too expensive. Well, the way I view it is that Apple's a large and growing company, and their perspectives and their reach has changed over the years. You know, at one time we were dumbfounded at the thought of Apple building a car. But when you think about an autonomous car, what is it? It's basically a very sophisticated artificial intelligence robot on wheels that has you wrapped in airbags. And I want to talk about that too. So as, as Apple gets into artificial intelligence and consumer products and intelligent design of consumer products, a car, an electric car is a sensible thing to do because Apple's an expert on integrating hardware and software and on user interfaces, 
and soon to be an expert on artificial intelligence. And that's going to drive the development of Siri. And they're also, they've also, also explored uh, advanced battery technology. So if Apple can solve the range anxiety problem, that's where people are concerned that they won't be able to find a charging station as easily as they could find a gas station. And now that's a whole other area to get into. Tesla does that. Solve range anxiety by saying, well, where do you want to go? And you tell it, and then it says, okay, here's your charging stations on the way, and I'll even guide you to one through turn-by-turn directions to get to the charging station so you can you know, be safely on your way. But this is a challenge for a lot of consumers, and a lot of people would just like to get in a car and be able to go wherever they want to go, when they want to go, and wander a bit, and not worry about the battery running out and having to sit for eight hours at a coffee shop while their car charges. And I set that number at about 300 miles. And Tesla does a pretty good job. I've heard the Chevy Bolt is only going to be 200. Uh, I think the Tesla S is something like 240 or 250. When you get up around 300 or so, you can do 50 miles round trip to work five days a week and charge your car on the weekend. That's a game changer. Okay, well, the other thing is here, at larger companies or parking lots, they could have charging stations, I suppose. I've already seen one for sale. It's $100,000 and you put it in the parking lot and it's, it's got a, a sun shield over the top to protect your car from weather. And uh, you just park your car there during the work hours and get it charged up. Let's but, do our break here. We'll get into sure. Apple sure. and the car and what leads us to that. we got more to come with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> If your Mac has slowed down or isn't performing like it used to, there's a smart alternative to buying a new machine thanks to OWC. With easy do-it-yourself upgrades for every Mac, OWC has what you need to get the most from your computer. From memory and SSDs to ultra-fast external storage, take it from me. You'll discover all the ways you can upgrade your Mac today at MaxSales.com. That's MaxSales.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids. R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, A Place for Mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182.
Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old-world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if you had no contract, no activation fees, no hidden costs, tracking, tracing, harvesting customer data, or draconian gimmicks, all on the nation's best 4G LTE network? Introducing PIX Wireless. Bring your phone and other qualifying devices to PIX and choose a plan starting at only $14 a month. Get connected now. Call or click 1-866-267-2056 or PIXWireless.com. Spelled P-I-X, wireless.com. Pick PIX and get connected today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Please check out plus.technightowl.com. That's P-L-U-S Of course, we offer a premium version of this show, free of the network ads, better quality audio. You can even hear the dogs barking in the background, all five of them, when something happens in the neighborhood. All this excitement and more for a modest monthly annual five-year lifetime subscription rate. Go to plus.technightowl.com. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer is here. We were starting with the possibility that Apple might want to acquire Time Warner, which may or may not be up for sale. And the way it works now, it looks like we agreed to disagree. We were talking about Apple and cars and electric cars in general. Well, the reason I brought that up, Gene, is because as Apple has grown over the years, it's not only become realistic, but sensible for Apple to expand its reach in several key areas that relate to consumers. I brought up the electric car example as something which seemed weird years ago, but now makes perfect sense. It could be the same thing with Time Warner. Apple loves music. Apple loves movies. They deliver a rich selection of music and movies with their hardware. In time, I know the cost is high. It seems to make sense that Apple would get involved in the content ownership and production 
industry. It doesn't seem far-fetched to me at all. It gives Apple a, a foot in the door to be a player in the industry. As soon as Apple starts getting involved in content production, then they're heavily involved in 4K digital filming of shows, and they become a player in the TV industry. And of course, if you've got great content, you want to make sure it's greatly displayed, right? So then that's going to drive Apple into 4K televisions much more quickly than now where they're sort of a, a Johnny-come-lately and, and follower rather than a leader in 4K. The new fourth-generation Apple TV is only 1080p, and I attribute that to Apple not being as heavily involved in taking a leadership role and kind of going along to get along in the industry with a solid 1080p product. What if Apple went the Netflix route, which is providing streaming content, but also instead of spending $110 billion to acquire Time Warner, spend a few billion to create its own entertainment properties, throw money at it just like Netflix did with House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, and Daredevil, and all these very good shows, great shows that win awards and everything. Well, even, if even Apple when, did that, it would jumpstart the streaming business well, no, by no, providing we, its own content. And then, yeah, rather but, than buy a whole entertainment company, maybe that would attract the other players to join in. Well, a couple of my favorite shows are Longmire and Jessica Jones on Netflix. And you know when you watch those shows that they are produced by a production company that has experience. It's an elaborate technical process that has a strong legacy and requires a lot of experience and technical equipment. So when you say Apple's going to do its own production, but basically that means buying a production studio. Well, I'm thinking in terms of offering original productions. It doesn't mean they don't make a contract with an existing producer, such as, as you mentioned, they're making a contract with the producers of Longmire. I mm -hmm. especially like Jessica Jones, but that's an ABC studio production mm -hmm. from Disney, which owns Marvel, just like Daredevil is. So yeah. in that case, what Netflix did was to give a production company, money, or a deal to produce a show. And I'm not thinking that Apple sets up its own studio. I'm thinking Apple works with another production company, goes to one of these companies, and says, let's see what you've got. Yeah, but, you know, when you think about it, Apple doesn't do anything small scale. There's billions to be made, not tens of millions. And so a production company doesn't solve Apple's problems. Apple wants to, I think, control its fate, become more vertically integrated, be able to provide a rich selection. And so not only do you need to acquire content, but you need to acquire studios that can deliver lots of different content and do it big time. We're going to see. Let's look at the tantalizing prospect again of the electric car. In the wake of this, a statement from Elon Musk of Tesla. It's an open secret that Apple is working on a car. <laughs> well, if it's an open secret, what's going on here? Is this something like 2020, we have an Apple electric car? It would appear so, 2019 or 2020. I've seen both numbers. My personal opinion is, is that it'll be two phases. The first phase will be a standard electric car, like the uh, Nissan Leaf or the GMC Chevy Bolt with a B. And it'll have good range and it'll be well integrated and have great navigation and, and consumer interface to the system and be stylish. Unlike the traditional car buying experience, I think Apple's going to, within state law, probably do a lot to change the way you buy a car. You know, now you have to go in and there's certifications and 
powers of attorney, and but there might be some ways to kind of streamline the process so that you pick out your car ahead of time, you take care of the car with a purchase package, and then when you walk into the dealership, they hand you the keys or even deliver it to your door like Tesla does. So um, I think there's some some traction, pardon the pun, for Apple to get involved in the process of making buying a car cooler. People might actually even stand in lines for a car that's cool enough. Uh, if it's the right price and it doesn't have the range and anxiety factor. And then I think phase two will be an autonomous car. And we're seeing huge gains on that. I just became aware of a Department of Transportation initiative called V2V, which is short for vehicle to vehicle. Some amazing technologies are coming along. This V2V is a system whereby when cars come in proximity of each other, they become aware of each other. And they're also aware of what's on the road in terms of blockages, and they're aware of right-of-way areas. And so you can imagine an intersection where one driver decides to gun it, it may be going through the intersection on a red light, and the system becomes aware of the other car, and the other car is brought to a halt uh, to avoid a collision in the car you know, speeding through a red light. So this kind of handshaking communication between cars that are in proximity is brilliant. And it is something that, along with autonomous cars, is changing the car industry dramatically. And Apple's in a perfect spot to get involved in this. And, of course, we know that Toyota is spending a billion dollars over five years to fund their artificial intelligence program for cars. And a lot of that money is going to go to a partnership with Stanford and MIT, given that cars are becoming greatly computerized communications protocols autonomous control, user interfaces, hotspots in cars. This is a perfect area for Apple to be involved in. Why they're keeping it a secret? I have a theory. You know, Apple could just come out and say, yeah, we're doing all this like Toyota is. There's two elements here. One is to keep the competition off guard, but another could be that there might be a significant fraction of these artificial intelligence people under cover of an electric car program called Titan working on personal robots. I watched uh, some coverage of CES and personal robots to do friendly things around the house. Maybe not necessarily run to the grocery store or do the vacuuming or do the dishes, but to do small companionship things, talk to you and uh, do, do minor tasks for starters. But, we got to uh, do our break here. Let's just continue. Sure. More to come with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey guys, Pat Matthews here to tell you all about the newest and best way to sell your products online. It's buysellmakeoffer.com, a brand new site to sell your stuff online. Your old golf clubs, sports equipment, tools, and yes, even your car. Forget about the other guys. Buysellmakeoffer.com will never charge you item fees. Go to the website now and sign up so that you can soon load all your stuff up to sell. This is not an auction site. Just use our resources along with Skype and videos to sell your items quickly and with no fees. Go right now to user-friendly buysellmakeoffer.com where the first 30 days are on us. 
Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. Did you know that home break-ins increase more than 100% during the holidays? It takes just 10 seconds for an intruder to kick in your door. But police response to a home alarm system is more than 20 minutes. And intruders are in and out of your home in 5 minutes. Thieves know that you're not home and have presents inside just waiting to be taken. And if you are home, how safe will you feel with an intruder lurking inside with your family? That's why police across the country are recommending you use Door Armor. Proven to withstand the force of a battering ram, Door Armor keeps intruders out. It's easy to install and barely visible, and your Door Armor is guaranteed for life. Go to InvasionStopper.com for a very special buy one, get one at half off deal. These savings are for a limited time and only available to GCN listeners. Protect your valuables and loved ones this holiday season. Go to InvasionStopper.com now. That's InvasionStopper.com. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich, working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare, having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. So here we're talking about artificial intelligence here, huh? Ah. 
Yeah, and of course, it makes sense for Apple to get into robots. Why? Because who else would you trust to build a robot that would be a companion to your kids? A robot that wouldn't go searching through your drawers looking for cash, a robot that wouldn't be tracking what you bought and what's in the refrigerator, a robot that wouldn't be listening in on your conversations and selling it to the highest bidder. You know, Apple and Tim Cook have made a big deal recently about privacy and security, and they're making it stick. And, of course, with the Internet of Things and our smartphones, we've all become aware of how desperate companies are to insinuate themselves into our lives, know what we're doing, and capitalize on that. So if I were going to buy a personal robot that was going to be around the house, I don't have kids, but I do have cats. And I would want to, I would want a personal robot that was made by Apple because I would trust them to do it the right way. There's a lot of research going on out there about robots, about how to build one that's friendly. You notice these little robots have big eyes, so they look like a child of the species, you know, a childlike human with big eyes or childlike kitten, big eyes. They're designed not to be physically imposing. They're designed to relate to you in a very friendly way. They have attractive characteristics, big eyes. They look innocent and helpful. And there's a lot of research going on in that area. And my theory right now is is that if Apple's working on artificial intelligence for an autonomous car, they've got to be working on robots as well. Maybe that's why they're keeping the whole thing secret. Just a theory. Well, Apple is Apple. They'll keep it a secret as long as they can. Once they start to have to have regulatory approval, the cat will be out of the bag. They will have to make some kind of statement. In another sense, a- Apple has to be more open in these some of these technologies. Uh, be- become members of standards committees. Talk to the community function within the university environment. It's it's not like you're coming out with a Macintosh Cube. You know, and it's awesome, and you're a $6 billion company, and uh, you can surprise everything with Steve's fantasy. These are big projects affecting lots of people. And like Apple Music, which affects tens of millions of people. So these big projects that involve much more perilous activities, robots that interact with your children, cars that are going 70 miles an hour and are driving autonomously. These are not like a friendly little gadget on your desktop. And so my working theory right now is that uh, it would be improper and difficult for Apple to keep this kind of project, a robot, family personal robot or an electric car, too much of a secret because there's government regulations. I mean, you, you know, what kind of Mac you have on your desk is up to you. It's not highly regulated, but there are a host of legal and, and ethical responsibilities when you build a car. As you know, um, GM's right now in the f- middle of a big lawsuit regarding this ignition key thing. So people expect a company to be upfront, to be transparent, to comply with government regulations, to do its very best in doing state-of-the-art stuff. And that requires a company to work with universities and government regulatory agencies and, and, and standards group to, to make sure that they're, they're doing everything that they can to ensure our safety. And, of course, when robots and cars are in our lives, there is that physical safety issue that doesn't occur with 
of an iPhone. Unless you're staring at your iPhone and walk out in the street and get hit by a bus, but that's a whole other thing. So I, I, I think there's going to come a time when, and maybe this was Elon Musk's way of encouraging Apple to be more transparent. It's, it suits him too. I mean, it suits his purposes to know what the competition's doing. But personally, I doubt that there will come a day in July or June of 2019 when Apple says, uh, okay, we got an electric car for sale tomorrow. Here it is. It just doesn't ring true. doesn't seem to be like the right thing to do. What they might do probably is what they did with the iPhone. It was going in for regulatory approval. The cat was going to be out of the bag. So six months or a year ahead of the release, mm-hmm. they'll have a mm-hmm. special media event to demonstrate the Apple car. So this will be when you will see the actual prototype of the vehicle, kind of like you see now with prototypes of future cars, where Apple will demonstrate some of the most important features. They'll give you a few hints and tips about some really significant new inventions. Maybe they'll give you a preview at that point as to how they're going to sell this thing. Or at least that's what you'd expect when you have the first introduction. Yeah, that's when it's too late for the competition to catch up, but early enough to give people a heads up. Yep. I think you're right. Okay, so we expect this to be a lock. There will be an Apple car. But in the article that you wrote about this here, you kind of related to the fact that Apple is not going to have much of a play in terms of ultra-high-definition TV or 4K. Ah, yes. Um, Well, it all kind of folds together in a couple articles I wrote. One is... is, uh, this uh, leadership role in, in ultra high definition. Another is Apple converting dollars to leadership. Apple's a kind of a follower in kind of some strange ways that we that we always puzzle about. Apple makes a lot of fanfare about how it's succeeding in the enterprise, but it succeeded in the enterprise on its own terms in terms of mobility, phones, partnership with IBM. Apple doesn't get really into enterprise infrastructure, like, for example, SANS storage area networks or things like Microsoft's exotic exchange server that does a lot of things for the enterprise. So Apple's kind of nibbled away at the edges and they found the magic formula to getting involved in the enterprise. But it's kind of a mixed message because when Apple talks about being in the enterprise, then you say, well, they should be building professional level products. And then we start thinking about how Apple has annoyed the, the video industry with, with Final Cut, how they've kind of dropped interest, or seemingly for now anyway, in the Mac Pro, which was launched with glorious fanfare. And then we haven't heard a peep from Apple about the Mac Pro since the summer of 2013. Let me ask so, you about that before we go on with, sure. before we head to anything else. The Mac Pro. So it's launched in 2013 at the Worldwide Developers Conference. It's released by the end of December, almost the real end of December, barely made it in -hmm. 2013. It's controversial because the fact that you no longer have internal drive or expansion card updates to some, this is a negative. To others, well, okay, so you have all those extra things you can stick outside, but it makes for a mess. You have this pretty little box in the middle surrounded by junk. Cylinder. <laughs> right, a cylinder surrounded by a lot of junk. Regardless, 
they haven't touched it. I mean, it would cost very little for Apple to at least upgrade the processors, the graphic cards. Yep. But they're not doing it. What's going to happen there? Is that the end of it? Yeah, that's why I say that we get kind of mixed messages. Tim Cook likes to talk about his partnership with IBM and how Apple's doing well in the enterprise. But then it doesn't have the, 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 the flagship product that can kind of be the halo, you know, PC. Now, not everybody in enterprise thinks the Mac Pro is the cat's pajamas and that that's what they need for their high-end processing. Supercomputer people build their clusters with HP hardware and with Linux. Um, people who are doing exotic work use very high-end PCs and Windows. Apple built the, the Mac Pro to sort of be the halo product of the line and say, well, look, you know, we've got the best of breed for people who really need some, independent of how expandable it is. Let's talk about what went wrong with the Mac Pro, or it's just benign neglect with John Martellaro on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. Removing bad taste and odor from your drinking water is easy. Removing the bad stuff you don't taste is what ProPure does best. Water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure countertop, inline gravity, and household water filtration products. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Or call 800-544-3533. 
Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. More and more people are discovering the incredible benefits of alkalizing the body. And there's no better product for it than AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds, just a few drops in water will rid your body of harmful waste and give you more vibrance and vigor than you've had in years. Now buy two bottles and get $10 off your order. Call 800-518-7615 or visit ALKAVision.com. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So the Mac Pro wasn't quite what people expected of it when it was introduced. It gave up the things that made the other Mac Pro big, heavy, but still a very flexible solution for a lot of people. Here, you're stuck with a wiring mess if you need to add anything. (laughs) Well, you know, it's not too bad. I'm talking to you on a Mac Pro. And, of course, we always do that in marketing, right? I mean, when Apple shows its iMacs. It always shows it with a wireless keyboard and a wireless mouse. Companies that do marketing photos always try to avoid cables and messy distractions and focus on the gloriousness of the product. So I disagree with those people who say that the Mac Pro is an embarrassment once you start connecting cables. Of course you connect cables. If they want to do a pretty picture of it on their website to make us focus on the product itself, that's fine, but to grouse that you have to actually plug things into it, and now you have unbrats and it's a cables, that's silly. I mean, mine sits behind a 24-inch Apple Cinema display. I hardly ever see it, and I think that's just nonsense. What I like about it is it's fast. I never see the spinning cursor, except when I launch iTunes. It's cool. In fact, it's too cool. It doesn't warm my office enough in the wintertime. It uh, is good to look at. It's easy to handle and move around. 
Uh, I have it on my desk instead of sitting on the floor so it doesn't collect as much dust in the fan intakes. Uh, it's, a, it's a glorious computer. It's not the, not the fastest Mac maybe in 2016 with advances in the, the new 5K iMacs and the i7s. But it's fast enough for me. And what it allows me to do is select my own monitor. Now, uh, that's the one thing there. If you like the 5K iMac, it would have been a cheaper solution that would, except for a certain class of apps, give you more performance. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm moving towards a, a Hewlett-Packard Z34S, I believe. And this is a 34-inch curved display. It's Curved? It's VA. Now, you can do curved with computer displays because you, you're you roughly at the radius of curvature. And so things are equidistant from you. Now, curved TV is no good because you hardly ever sit at the radius of curvature and you have problems with a changing aspect angle. And LEDs are coming along. They're getting better, but some of them can be have different characteristics depending on what angle you're at. So uh, I'm not a big fan of curved screen 4K TVs, but I am a big fan of this Hewlett-Packard. And it allows me to get rid of having two monitors where there's a gap in the middle. Now, the thing is here that surprises me about Apple. Apple has equipment that's tailor-made for 4K video, 5K iMac, any external 5K display. But they're, but but, you know, I just don't see why it wasn't in the Apple TV. It's not that it's a serious cost factor. Oh, it's HDR. That is the one issue. That's the one issue that I've mentioned in my columns and you have as well. HDR is the thing that makes the 4K pictures pop because you got to have a pretty big set or sit fairly close to your set to see the 4K resolution advantage. Exactly. But HDR, better contrast. No matter where richer you Richer colors. This mm. is the thing that, if you can't see the resolution, that's really the one key factor. The problem being, number one, for the time being, only the more expensive sets will offer that feature this year. It's going to be called Ultra HD Premium, by the way. Ultra right. HD Premium... The second factor is the software. It doesn't help if you don't have the content. You see, it's one thing if you scale up or upconvert your regular Blu-ray DVD to 4K. Maybe it looks a hair better or maybe it doesn't. Depends. But unless you have HDR, the color advantage is not there. Right. And what was happening at Christmas of 2015 was that manufacturers were unloading all their standard non-HDR 4K TVs. And Apple knew that if it came out with a, just a plain Jane 4K TV, it would be very quickly obsolete. And so I think they're waiting for the situation to settle. I think we're going to see a 4K fifth-generation Apple TV Christmas of 2016. With then, HDR support. With HDR support. Yeah, I think that's the right way to do it in, in hindsight now. Or it could have been cool if they had built a system that was so flexible that you could have you know, added a module or plugged something in or did a software upgrade or that would have been, that would have been interesting. But then Apple is not the kind of company that thinks about having customers, you know, plug some new module and they like to, they want it to be simple. So forget that. But the the whole thing is, is that Apple doesn't, if you look at the membership of the UHD Alliance, it's a combination of studios 
and content providers and TV set manufacturers. And that those people have a vested interest in working together to make sure that customers understand the product and are ha- happy with their purchase. They also we, have the experience of 3D, which went nowhere. Right, right. So, but, but Apple's not a member of the UHD Alliance. So for three years, Apple sort of sat on its hands figuratively. I mean, they were working on the R&D, but we waited three years and then Apple came out with a 1080p device. And that kind of makes you feel like, you know, Apple was not involved, wasn't a leader, wasn't working with the industry, uh, didn't hang its head, didn't partner with somebody. Now, you know, Roku is partnering with some Chinese OEMs and Roku is going to start selling 4K TV sets that marry perfectly with their hardware. So you can imagine why well, Apple would sit down and say, well, we want to jump on the 4K bag. We're, we're going to partner with, say, Sony. And so if you want to exploit the full capability of our fourth generation Apple TV, then the best experience will be with, say, a Sony TV, which has got hardware compatibility. For whatever reason, Apple elected not to do that. And so... My perception is is that Apple's sort of like a follower in this industry. They're waiting for things to settle out. When does a company of Apple's size sit on its hands and wait and not take leadership role and not make things happen to its own advantage? It just it just seems weird to me. Well, here, of course, you have so many manufacturers out there producing stuff and you want to work with them. It's not that you could say, just buy an Apple TV and get everything. It's going to be... Well, you've got the Vizio, you've got the Panasonic, you've got the Samsung, you've got the LG, you've got the Sony. It's got to work with all of them. So really, Apple has to kind of follow what they do. Otherwise, they're just, it's not like the PC business. It just isn't going to make sense for them. Well, just as Apple looks like it would like to take a leadership role in entertainment industry with the rumor about Time Warner. And just like Apple looks like it wants to be a leader in electric cars, uh, why doesn't Apple want to be a leader in 4K hardware? That's my jackpot question. And there are things you can do. As you said, you're just off the cuff. The hardware device has to work with competing manufacturers. And each manufacturer comes up with its own language. I mean, Samsung has this SUHD, which is sort of like their own marketing spin. It's not anything technical about UHD that's different, but it's their brand. It's special. And then I think it was Vizio or LG that announced HDR+. See, the TV industry is, is building products that are all very similar. And the only way they can gain traction is to make you think that they have some special sauce. They changed the name by your by their TV because it's got this thing, and if you get sufficiently excited about this thing, you're going to say, "Oh well, um, this TV has HDR plus, and that TV doesn't, so I should buy this one." And the fact of the matter is, here most of the mainstream TV sets are very very similar. There's a lot of sharing of parts. In mm-hmm. fact, I was talking to Kyle Weens of iFixit, and he said that you'll find, like for power supplies, which is a very common part that would break on a TV set, the one that breaks most often, he said, you'll find the fact that with power supplies, a lot of them use the same ones, even if they are different TV makers. I wouldn't doubt it. And then there's the issue of operating systems, too. 
you know, these, these smart TVs have all advanced to the point where instead of just connecting it to a box and letting it do its thing, um, there's a lot of smartness in there and that's by virtue of its operating system. So for example, Sony TVs use Android. Panasonic uses Firefox OS. Uh, LG uses WebOS, which they bought from Hewlett Packard. That was originally so, the Palm OS, by the way. Right. And that is so, the only remnant of Palm anywhere on I, the planet is the WebOS featured on some, but not all, of your LG TVs. We've got more to talk about here. John Martellero of the Mac Observer is on the show. A bit later, we'll hear from Rob Pegarero. More to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. Pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So here we go here, TV makers trying to differentiate themselves. We got the curved screen. We've got the OLED. We've got this. We've got that. And I don't think it matters so much to people when they go to the discount store, to Best Buy, to Walmart, Sam's Club, Costco. They look at the set that seems to have the brightest picture, right. has the right screen size, and it's cheap. Oh, my God, a 65-inch TV for $650. I saw a 4K 65-inch Samsung TV at Costco for $1,000. You get the picture. Yeah. And, and people think, oh, and, and, and the couple in front of me, 
you know, you kind of, you walk in and you're behind the people in front of you, you have the shopping cart. So this young couple is in front of me and he goes, honey, honey, look at this. This is cool. This is a really good price for a 4K TV. Well, of course it was a good price because it didn't have anything other than just the 4K technology. There was no HDR. I saw a nice article by John Dvorak last week and he said, it's impossible to explain these technologies. You start talking to consumers about aspect angles and quantum dots and high dynamic range and 12-bit deep color. They don't understand it. It's really, really hard to explain it to people. That's why the UHD Alliance came up with a premium sticker that you talked about in the last segment. So that at least when you see that sticker, you know what you're buying. This is better because it's premium. It's ultra HD premium, but I'll still go to Walmart and they got the set sitting in the corner Ultra HD Premium, $8.99, I'll buy it. You can try to explain it uh, in a column, but then pretty soon people get kind of blurry-eyed and dazed. And you, you, have to, you have to also have to have technical perspective, too. I mean, if you've been following the evolution of the technology, when people talk about quantum dots, you kind of figure out you know what it is. You know, you can, you're not dazed and confused by the terminology you know it's just a a better led but trying to explain it in a way that it's that is understandable and allowing people to make intelligent decisions is really really hard And, and i guess the tv set manufacturers understand that and that's why they go for the fancy language doing anything they can to convince people that you know, their set is better in some way, you know, some undefinable way that makes sense. Well, you know, the other thing is TV sales have been flat for a couple of years. They're desperate to boost those sales. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, there's no money to be made in 1080p TVs anymore. Well, hardly any in 4K since they've come so cheap. But here's the issue. You buy one of these sets. They're good for 10 years. Really, most sets are good for what? eight, 10 years before the picture starts dimming or whatever problem they have. Mm-hmm. They hang on there. So you buy a set, oh, that picture's pretty good. It's nice and sharp. It's high definition. It's all right. Why do I need a new set? What is this 4K going to get me? It's going to be a hard sell still. Well, as you said in the previous segment, once you see a TV that has HDR, it knocks your socks off and you go, oh, wow, what have I been watching? And then Even the- then, though, it's got to be comparison sake it may to you and i look oh my heavens it's night and day i mean to most people it won't be when they're ready to buy a brand new set all right they're ready to buy a brand new tv set and then they'll look at things like that and if they do a proper job of marketing they'll choose it but even then that argument is not going to persuade somebody who has a perfectly good set from five or eight years ago It's not going to be an easy sell. It's not like the difference between standard definition and high definition, because high definition wasn't just a sharper picture. It was widescreen, big screen TV. You know, it all depends on where you come into it in the technology timeline. We're we're in the early part of the Gaussian curve, where 4K is not yet totally mainstream like 1080p is now. So you've got early adopters, and some of them are very astute, and some of them may buy a TV too early on the curve. But there's going to come a time when we're in the middle of the Gaussian curve uh, for 4K TVs, probably around 2019, when there's a huge amount of content. 
when 1080p TVs are not even made anymore, when the HDR situation is settled out, people pretty much understand the product. You've got the AV receivers and the cabling and the set-top boxes and the content and the displays are all on the same page. And you can safely go into the store and you can buy you know, one from any company that's your favorite, whoever it is, and be comfortable with it. So, yeah, it's kind of a risky right now being on the early part of that, that Gaussian curve. The other thing is here, by the time we get to 2019, a lot of the people who bought tens of millions of the earlier generation high-definition TVs will be ready to buy something new. It's going to be also part of the natural upgrade cycle. Right. And, and it kind of depends on how much you spend, too. I mean, you know, if you, if, you, if you get a really cheap 4K TV really early in the cycle that the companies are trying to unload, um, say, for a discount price that's really favorable, maybe $9.99, then in three or four years, you might not have to wait eight to ten years. You might say, well, I'll move this one into the, into the den or into the into the rec room and we'll watch it while we you know play pool or you put it in a kid's bedroom or something. So there's that hand-me-down factor that allows you to move up maybe more often than every eight or 10 years. And then there's the whole mobility issue too, where amazingly more and more people are watching their video on small screens to boot because they can do it anywhere. And that's, that's something that's a changing part of the demographics. Uh, I've been reading about that. More and more people are happy to just sit with a you know a ten inch tablet in their lap and binge watch um, some favorite uh, series on Netflix, rather than go to the expense of building a, a home theater system. That's a that's an elaborate process. Well, you know and what I do quite often. The middle, middle if my wife is watching something money. on the big TV <laughs> set. What I do is I look at my twenty seven inch iMac and I watch something from Netflix there or yeah. streaming from one of the TV networks. Right. And to do a home theater system, right, can be a kind of an expensive affair, too. So I think I've, people naturally uh, paying off student loans and, and uh, you know, not being older and having, having accumulated wealth, people in their 20s are going, well, what am I going to do with a 65-inch TV? And am I going to buy an audio-video receiver so I can send sound out to speakers? Or am I just going to, you know, curl up on the couch with a 10-inch iPad and, and watch Netflix? So there's that. Well, you know, I'm so old-fashioned, I still rather watch it on the TV set. Yeah, It's me when too. the wife <laughs> and I have a conflict about what to watch. So, for example, she may want to watch, and we're doing this show on a Wednesday, and you'll be hearing it on a Saturday night. She might have wanted to watch the Republican debates. I don't care. Therefore, she will watch the TV, and I will simply sit in my office and watch something on my iMac. That's in one of the conditions. Yeah, the TV manufacturers have to be very careful of the changing demographics. They have to be careful of confusing the customers. They have to be careful that in certain important ways they work together to, to have visible, understandable standards and still differentiate themselves. So it's, it's a really tricky business right now. I don't envy any of those companies trying to navigate through the consumer market. And wait till they try to sell us 8K TV sets. That means we'll have more pixels and even more difficulty seeing the difference. 
you know, I don't think 8K is going to get as much traction as, as 4K. I just, we're already in the retina region now, and, you know, 8K, um, I, I don't see that being the next evolution coming along as quickly. You know, we had NTSC for 70 years, and then starting around 2005, six, we started having 1080i, 1080p in 2008 went mainstream. So we we're, we're going to spend about ten years with the with the 1080 resolution, and then I don't think it's going to be three years, and then we jump to 4K, and then one year we jump to 8K, and then six months we jump to 12K. <laughs> I don't want to make 100K if they could sell it. If they could sell the set, I don't think they care. We've got more to talk about with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV If survivalist housing has been in your plans, get ready. We're bringing our Timberline Range Camps to you February 6th through 14th. The Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Get an up-close look at some of our most popular Timberline models or visit survivalistcamps.com to pre-order a camp. We'll bring it to the show and save you the cost of shipping. It's the perfect time to get that camp you've wanted. Go to survivalistcamps.com, then plan on joining us at the Great American Outdoor Show in February in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. 
To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day, but growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Please go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com to learn about the Tech Night Owl Plus, the premium version of this show, free of 41 minutes of network ads, better audio, more to come, plus.technightowl.com. John, let's move to some other subjects because we have you for just one more segment before we have Rob Pegarero in the wings to join us. All right. You're talking here about... Children learning to code on an iPad, but you can't get Xcode on an iPad yet, right? No, you cannot. But in the research that I've been doing, it turns out that there are many more the introductory development environments so that you can program in iOS. There's one called Pythonista. Uh, version 2 just came out, and you can write Python 2.7.x code. It's regrettable that you can't jump to 3.5 yet because... Python 3.5 is the modern version. Python 2.7 is old. But you can still do Python programming on an iPad. There's something called Codia. Uh, there's something called Smart Basic. Apparently from Russia, they've developed a... Uh, a woman has developed a very nice basic programming environment. And these are all in uh, the App Store. And there are several others. So um, it's... Uh, the, the the issue that uh, alarms me and what got this all started was how do you approach the iPad as a young person? What is your first experience? Which, what is your most enduring takeaway? How do you approach this product? In part one of my series, I talked about how when we approached computers in the early days, we could only approach them from the standpoint of programming. So you're in control. My Apple II could only be talked to in terms of basic, either integer or floating point basic, but that was its language. That's how you had to communicate to this device. Right away, you started having a vision of control. You could do things. You could write games. And I did. And I wrote a very popular game on an Apple II and sold a thousand copies way long time ago and got good return on investment for that. When you start programming on a, on a device that's modern, suddenly you start thinking about 
well, the future of my career, I'm going to be working for, you know, an aerospace company. I have to learn how to program. I'm going to be working for an insurance company. I have to probably know some programming. I'm going to be working for Kroger, uh, where I'm going to have to be maybe involved in their, you know, sales purchasing system, their uh, Apple Pay. All that involves programming. Well, there are lots of careers where you don't program. There are a lot, as President Obama talked about in the State of the Union speech, we want our young people to be involved and learning. And learning how to program a computer is a very good avenue towards maturing in your technical career and having skills that you can market to a company. If you graduate from college and you don't have a marketable skill where somebody can immediately put you to work, it's tough finding a job out there. It, it could be something oblique, like being involved in physics where you can solve problems that happen for any manufacturer. It might be you're an expert in astronautics and, ast and in astronomy where you can work for, say, Lockheed Martin Astronautics. It might be materials research where you can work for a company that, that builds physical products and needs to understand glues and electronics and materials and conductivity and surfaces and textures. But these all, all these skills basically evolve from a vision and an excitement and a passion about something. And when you pick up an iPad in 2016 and you spend a lot of time playing games and you're shopping and you're chatting with people, you're having a lot of fun with it, but your exposure to this device is not driving you into a technical area that you can get excited about and create a dream for yourself. And so I got on this bandwagon back in December about exploring these tools where young people can grab an iPad and sit down and start programming and learning how to control a machine and learn how to make things happen. And then you think, well, I want to change this or I want to do that or I want to solve a cool problem. Oh, I've got that problem solved. Maybe I can make some money selling this solution to other people. And then you're off and running. And then maybe the next step is that you buy an iMac and then you get involved in Xcode and you start programming in Swift. And you get a career evolution driven by technology and by enthusiasm and excitement and seeing what you can do. And I'm a little bit appalled by young people's reaction to iPads in many cases. It's just a consumption device and just a toy that you play with and you do reading and you do browsing, but it controls you. And it's spying on you. Well, not iPads, but maybe other, other kinds of tablets. And information is being collected about you. And you become the product instead of the person who's controlling and devising and dreaming and constructing. And people do that in robots, too. They get involved in robot technology in college. They do robot wars. Next thing you know, they're working for Apple or Toyota doing artificial intelligence. You know, these kinds of things can be, can they, they can all start by your first exposure to the computing device that you have in your hand. Is that one of the magic bullets to make the iPad more popular? I think Apple could do more to celebrate the programmability of the iPad. The iPad has evolved. It's, it's maturing. We're expecting a lot more from iOS 10. iOS 9 already has more advanced technologies like slide over and picture in picture and split view. I was on a podcast last week where we were talking about the maturing of iOS. It can't simply be a dumb little device anymore where you, you browse. It, it, the iOS has to evolve within the limits of security that they've set. It's, it's only, only a five-year-old concept, 
right? Where are we going to be in 15, 20 years with our tablets? We don't want to be treating our iPads as large iPhones in 15 or 20 years. We want to be able to do a lot with them. And I think programming in the iPad, not necessarily building apps, depending on the security environment and the restrictions of the OS, but maybe scripting, making things happen, building tools. Maybe we'll someday we'll do our development on iPads if Apple can make it happen. But there's, there's got to be growth. Uh, otherwise, the whole category of an of a iPad as a tablet will just die. And people will use their phablets and their phones to carry around with them to get their job done. And they'll use their, as Steve Jobs said, their trucks you know, on the desktop. And the, uh, the tablet will be kind of lost in the middle. So it's got to grow. And, and I wish Apple would uh, spend a little more time in its marketing, not just talking about the vagaries of education um, and, and the education products, but instead, uh, in addition, how kids can dig into it and make things happen. Once you make things happen on the screen, once you control the device, then you start thinking about future things you can do. You kind of feel like, wow, I've got a skill. I made something happen. I, I got a job as a result of showing my Apple to space shuttle landing simulator to a team that was doing Patriot missile system in El Paso, Texas. I took my Apple II in and showed them the simulator, and they said, wow, this guy understands simulation. We're going to hire him. Hey, let's hire John Martellero. But first, he has to tell us where we can find his stuff. I am senior editor at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. Come see us. John Martellero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. It's about time something new came along for better selling and buying online, and I found it. It's BuySellMakeOffer.com, a brand new company that's the newest and best way to sell products online. You can even use Skype or video to sell your car, home, any product. You get 30 days free, packages starting from only $7.95, and BuySellMakeOffer.com never charges item fees ever. Just go sign up, then load your stuff to sell. I love this site. BuySellMakeOffer.com. Got it? BuySellMakeOffer.com. Better selling, better buying. Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if you had no contract, no activation fees, no hidden costs, tracking, tracing, harvesting customer data, or draconian gimmicks? All on the nation's best 4G LTE network. Introducing PIX Wireless. Bring your phone and other qualifying devices to PIX and choose a plan starting at only $14 a month. Get connected now. Call or click 1-866-267-2056 or PIXWireless.com. Spelled P-I-X, wireless.com. Pick PIX and get connected today. Hi, this is Walt Augustinowitz. I'm the founder and CEO of ID Stronghold. By now you've heard our commercials about wallets that protect you from electronic pickpocketing. Ten years ago, I created a way to protect my own cards from prying eyes after government officials started talking about issuing a national ID card with a built-in radio chip called RFID. I felt having to broadcast my personal information was an invasion of privacy. Soon after, it was also announced that credit cards, debit cards, U.S. passports, hotel room keys, and even transit passes would all soon incorporate RFID. It was then I formed ID Stronghold to share my inventions in blocking RFID signals with the world. There are a lot of misconceptions out there today about RFID. I encourage everyone to get informed and get protected. Please go to idstronghold.com and get the facts and the wallet sleeves or badge holders you need to protect your personal financial data. 
You'll be pleasantly surprised that through our direct sales model, you won't pay more than other comparable unprotected wallets. It is as though the protection is free. Visit IDStronghold.com today. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Did you know that home break-ins increase more than 100% during the holidays? It takes just 10 seconds for an intruder to kick in your door. But police response to a home alarm system is more than 20 minutes. And intruders are in and out of your home in 5 minutes. Thieves know that you're not home and have presents inside just waiting to be taken. And if you are home, how safe will you feel with an intruder lurking inside with your family? That's why police across the country are recommending you use door armor. Proven to withstand the force of a battering ram, door armor keeps intruders out. It's easy to install and barely visible, and your door armor is guaranteed for life. Go to InvasionStopper.com for a very special buy one, get one at half off deal. These savings are for a limited time and only available to GCN listeners. Protect your valuables and loved ones this holiday season. Go to InvasionStopper.com now. That's InvasionStopper.com. Hi, I'm Rick Osick with Famous Footwear. Did you know that premature birth is the number one killer of babies? That's why we support the March of Dimes in the fight against premature birth. Join us in supporting cutting-edge research, treatment programs, and outreach to help moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Learn how you can help save babies' lives at marchofdimes.org. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So on this segment of the Tech Night Out Live, we will be going to Las Vegas. Virtually, not really, or imagining we were. I haven't been to Las Vegas in several years. But Rob Pegueroa was there for the CES. Is this show ever going to end like other trade shows, or will it go on forever? Nope. As far as I can tell, I'm serving a life sentence at CES, formerly known as the Consumer Electronics Show. Yeah, it, every year it gets bigger and bigger. This year, the, they said they were going to cap attendance at 175,000, which is really about 75,000 more people than Vegas can comfortably accommodate. And, you know, the scary thing is they're planning a major expansion of the Las Vegas Convention Center in part to allow CES to get even bigger, to become even more of a city in its own right. I have a relative who lived in Las Vegas for several years. They loved it. I don't know if I'd ever want to go there on a permanent basis, however. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I when you're at CES, you'll see these people who are obviously there on vacation. And you have to think, no one warned you about this? I actually ran into an Australian couple who asked me, what is this? What's going on? And I explained and said, you know, by the way, you might have some words with the travel agent who sent you here during CES. I don't know why you would want to time a trip to Vegas for, for that particular week. That was certainly a foolish decision. Okay, CES. How has it changed over the years? 
Well, uh, aside from just getting bigger and more unwieldy every year, the bigger change has been how the show has broadened outside of the traditional focus on sort of home audio and video equipment. The biggest things on the show floor are still generally the TVs, which get ever larger every year. But now a big chunk of the North Hall is taken up by automotive exhibits. Chevrolet decided to use CES to debut its Bolt electric vehicle, even though the North American International Auto Show opened in Detroit the week after CES. So that's a big change. Um, obviously, much more of a focus on mobile phones, tablets, accessories for the same. Desktops, I don't think I saw a single desktop all week at CES. And laptops, no one really wants to talk about them that much. They're just not exciting anymore. So Was they, Volkswagen there apologizing for their emission <laughs> control problem? They had a very shiny booth. And um, yes, they, they, they were not talking so much about their diesel issues, but you know, all sorts of car connectivity. I was going to say the other big change at CES is um, so much emphasis on Internet of Things stuff. I'm sorry, I couldn't make it a whole five minutes into the podcast without using the dreaded IoT buzzword. I hate that buzzword. I'm going to ask you right now. Internet of Things. Who invented that? We have to find out so that person can be blamed or terrorized. <laughs> Yeah, well, one nice thing is you can, you know, use IoT. You insert your own adjective to describe the problems with smart connected devices of various kinds. You could say it's the Internet of insecure things, uh, the Internet of brittle things, and that if they lose their connectivity, then they become less useful than the old dumb appliances they replaced. All right, this is just getting to be completely crazy. Internet of things, IoT. We know, of course, that Apple has HomeKit. We know that Google is playing in this space. Are there successful implementations yet, really? Not. I mean, you definitely can get a good, you know, array of connected devices talking to each other, but you have to do it the old-fashioned way, which is to basically let one company determine what else you're going to buy. You know, you buy a Nest connected thermostat. There are a growing number of other devices that will talk to the Nest. You know, the the Nest. We'll do that not because they really care what temperature the house is, but because the Nest knows if you're home or not. And so, therefore, the the washing machine can query the Nest, you know, is so-and-so at home? Okay, well, let's run the dryer and, you know, make whatever noise we need to. UMA, voice over internet protocol phone, can query the Nest to see is, is you know, is, is the, the resident at home? Nope. Well, we just detected, um, yeah, the Nest Protect just detected a... Uh, fire. We know the person's not home, so it will call you through the UMA and ask if you want to have the call routed to your local 911 center. Goofy stuff like that. But we're not at the state where you can buy anything labeled as a smart appliance, a smart light bulb, whatever, and expect it's going to automatically work with whatever phone you happen to have, you know, whatever other smart IoT things you have at home. So what has ever happened to HomeKit? You know, it seemed to come on with somewhat of a flourish, although HealthKit seemed to be getting more attention. Is that something where it's still an also-ran or hasn't even started running? Seems to be. There was not a whole lot of mention of that at the show. And I know if um, Jason Snell, the, the ex-Macworld uh, journalist, he did a, an annual report on Apple at the end of 2015 where he queried a bunch of different journalists who cover Apple, analysts who cover Apple, and asked them to give letter grades in a bunch of areas. And I think HomeKit fared worse, the worse, even worse than Apple's cloud services. I think it got a D plus or a D minus, uh, basically just because slow rollout, really underperforming. And, you know, I guess the sense that shouldn't this be something by now? 
Well, I guess someone will figure it out. Eventually. Eventually, but then the problem here is that I understand that Apple is putting too much in the hands of the third-party companies. They're not giving them all the stuff they need to just follow a standard and go with it. Which is funny because usually the problem with Apple is that they offer so little control and autonomy to people who are in their ecosystem. You know, whether you're looking at the the App Store on an iPhone, the Mac App Store, the whole part of working in Apple's world is you are in Apple's world. and, And, you know, it's Apple's rules or you can get out. So it seems like that maybe they haven't thought this out. All right, let's put the IoT away and we'll take it out again maybe next year. Because a lot of the times you see things at a CES that are prototypes. It's not a finished product. It's a promise of a finished product. Yep. And that's the, uh, I did a little sort of, you know, how to stay sane through CES hype post for USA Today the week before the show ran. My first reminder was, remember, you're almost never going to see a price and a ship date for something announced at CES. Uh, And quite often you'll see something announced at CES that never actually shows up in stores, you know, Markets change, the underlying technology can't be made to work, company has different priorities, and so the the thing that everyone wrote too much about in January never actually gets into anyone's stores, much less anyone's homes. Now, I recall, for example, that Vizio announced their reference series TV sets a couple of years ago, that one model costing over $100,000, and I think it's just going on sale now, maybe in limited quantities. <laughs> yep. Wouldn't be the first time that kind of things happen in the electronics business. But you see, the difference here is that with (coughs) Apple, they announce something that's going to happen, and it usually does. Yes. Maybe a little later than usual, but yeah, their whole routine of not announcing things unless they're until they're really ready to go on sale or within months of going on sale means you you have that kind of uh, vaporware issue less often. Whereas Microsoft, on the other hand, constantly announced new stuff. Oh, we've got this, we've got that. And what percentage of those products or services that they announced ever came to pass at any time? Especially back in the day when Microsoft did the opening keynote at CES, where, you know, you could have, it was like an evergreen story you could do every CES. Which of the things that were introduced at last year's CES have actually made their way to market? Now, I remember when we had all this speculation about Apple, whether Apple would produce a TV set. And they were all looking at that passage (laughs) about solving the TV interface problem in Walter Isaacson's book. You know, he found this magic formula. And one year, even Lenovo was displaying a TV set, I think, for sale in China. Where's that TV set? Where is Hmm. it? Yeah, exactly. Crickets. And I can't even imitate a good cricket. I can't even do a good Yoda. So forget about <laughs> the crickets. Yoda, I can't. Anyway, you see how bad it is? We have Rob Pegarero. He writes for USA Today, Yahoo Tech, and other places. We're taking a virtual trip to the Consumer Electronics Show, looking at vaporware, real things. What are their trends going to be? What will appear in real products that you can buy? Not five years from now, but in a few months. And if it does appear, will you even want to buy the first version? More to come on the Tech Night Out Live.
you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If your Mac has slowed down or isn't performing like it used to, there's a smart alternative to buying a new machine thanks to OWC. With easy do-it-yourself upgrades for every Mac, OWC has what you need to get the most from your computer. From memory and SSDs to ultra-fast external storage, take it from me. You'll discover all the ways you can upgrade your Mac today at MacSales.com. That's MacSales.com. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest-priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. 
owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So it's the vaporware department on the Tech Night Isle Live. We don't get into this too much. We'd like to think that... We're going to have announcements about products and services that are real. Now, just a few years ago, I'm going to ask you about this, Rob. I had a couple of guests on the show talking about 3D printers. There still are a few, but that hasn't gotten to the mass market yet, has it? No, it's not because 3D printing doesn't solve a revolutionary need. But, you know, and right now I should note, I'm, I'm looking at a really nice guitar pick with some 3D printing vendors logo on it. And it looks cool, it's neat. It's it's great that you can generate parts you need to like fix something, regenerate the Lego your kid lost, whatever. But how do you need to do it? I think 3D printing really makes sense as something you see in like libraries. The DC Public Library has one. Maybe Radio Shack, they, they started putting 3D printers in stores, but not so you could actually just rent them to print out something. Because really, I, I don't need a $1,000 really delicate box that, you know, can't get cluttered with sawdust and whatever in my home. I just need one accessible to me somewhere nearby. So it'd be like a printing service bureau years ago. I want to have a copy of this. Yeah. Or I want to buy something and I need it now. I go to the 3D printer service bureau. They look up the product. They look up the part and say, okay, this is something for your car from Volkswagen. It costs $27.50 for the part and we'll print it out for you. You know, two years from now, maybe, maybe when you go into a FedEx office, there'll be a 3D printer there. They would certainly make a FedEx office a more interesting place than it is otherwise. We'll have to watch that space. Yes, but not now. The other thing I thought of in terms of 3D printers is like the Star Trek feature where you could create food, a replicator. So we can't make a pizza with a 3D printer yet. Yeah, I don't know. Some of the uh, the pizzas they saw on the show floor, they, they might as well have been 3D printed. The the, the food at CES, no one – people do go to CES for the food in the sense that you can have some really nice dinners. But it's also quite possible that in one day you, you skip lunch or lunches or granola bar. <laughs> and then dinner could be one of the nicest steakhouses in town. It's weird like that. So I want to go to Texas Roadhouse, which is a chain of steakhouses. And I really can't get there, but if I have my – food simulator at home. I buy one at home. I push a button. I'll take an eight ounce sirloin steak and a baked potato. I punch it up and I get their recipe, their steak dinner, and I pay them. I don't have to go there. I don't have to drive in the car. I don't have to park anywhere. Not going to happen. All right, let's look at stuff that is real, okay? Who I think it's real. I think this is real. And that is 4K TV. Now, 4K TV... The sets that you might have purchased in 2014, 2015, some of them may be obsolete because of Ultra HD Premium. 
It's a it's a shifting standard we have here. Uh, in some ways, it's it's almost like we're now finally getting around to the real launch of 4K. Inconveniently enough, four years after these sets first started showing up at CES and then beginning began appearing in stores. One part of this is uh, HDR, high dynamic range, the same thing that helps your iPhone take great pictures of sunsets. That is essentially getting backed into UHD, and I think it's going to become the standard as we know it eventually. Uh, the problem is right now, you know, you go to a Costco, you see all these UHD 4K sets, four times the resolution, high definition, only 800 bucks for a 55-inch screen. You're like, oh, great. That doesn't support HDR. It, it may not have all these other options that are coming down the pike. And HDR is important because it's a difference you can see even from across the room and on a somewhat smaller screen. Alone, this is the thing here. That's the thing I want to talk to you about. And yeah. That is... With four times the resolution, oh my God, that's incredible. And then you look at the figures, how this works, and it's kind of like the retina display principle that at a certain point, a certain distance, a resolution that's higher than the threshold, you can't see the difference. So I think I heard, for example, a 55-inch Ultra HD set. You got to be no more than eight feet away to see any difference at all and if you're like us and we have a 55-inch 1080p set and we're sitting in bed and it's got to be maybe 9, 10 feet away, if we had Ultra HD set, it would make no difference whatever. But with Exactly. But with higher dynamic range, better color rendition, the colors will pop, the picture will look better even if it's not any sharper, at least perceptively. Absolutely. That's And, and that's something that... You know, it's it's weird and a little sad. The industry spent three, four years sort of denying that this is an issue, even while bringing lots of 46-inch, maybe only 40-inch UHD sets to the market. When a 40-inch HDTV is a retina display at almost any viewing distance imaginable, unless you're like standing right in front of it like, you know, my daughter does sometimes. So with HDR, you got something that makes this more relevant. is something that, I mean, theoretically you could do it with HD, but that's not happening. The problem there is waiting for HDR to become affordable. You mentioned premium ultra HD, which is one attempt to sort of make it easy for people to find sets that do HDR in all of its glory. The idea is there'll be independent testing of these sets from companies like Panasonic and Samsung and whatnot. But premium is, of course, a code word in the electronics industry for very, very expensive. You know, what you want is to have premium ultra HD at a non-premium price, maybe even on those sets in Costco. And I'm going to bet it's another, we're another year from that happening. All right. So let's just dissect this. Is there one HDR standard or are they still playing around with that until things get together? There should be. There is a standard in the sense that the new UHD Blu-ray discs that are coming out, Samsung introduced a player and actually gave a price and a ship date, $400 March. Uh, it's a Blu-ray player that will play UHD discs with HDR. So that's good. But then you have other manufacturers. Do it. They're doing the same concept, but under different names. You have the premium ultra HD. The other issue is how do you know you've, you've found any, a UHD set that has support for this HDR color? And CSI, new label and logo entries that's supposed to clarify that. Premium ultra HD. It's supposed to mean that the TV not just has these features. It's been tested by third parties to show that it's for real. One issue with that is not all manufacturers have signed on to say, oh, yes, we'll, we'll put our test 
sets through this testing. We'll put this logo and this label on our products. The other issue is premium is a well-established code word in the electronics industry for expensive. You know, I, I like premium features. I don't like premium pricing. So my sense is it's going to be probably another year before HDR is something that is is not your step-up feature, but your standard feature and is maybe even on those $700 sets in Costco. So this is something where just like originally with 4K TV, it took a while for the technology to become perfected enough to filter down to the medium price TV sets. So with HDR, it's going to be what another year, two or three before the HDR begins to occupy a lower portion of the price spectrum. Maybe only a year, but it may still be another two years or even three years before another upcoming change to 4K UHD comes around, which is over-the-air broadcasts. They've been working for a while on a replacement for the current digital TV standard, ATSC, with an ATSC 3.0 standard that would allow you to do UHD broadcasts via free over-the-air TV. And it should also make plain old high-def reception a lot more robust. Uh, you know, they've done tests of it. It's, it's worked really well. The industry is apparently moving along very quickly to make this happen. But there are no sets right now that have ATSC 3.0 tuners. Uh, we might see them by next CES, although then you have to wonder how long will it take for them to be affordable. Now, that, we have to point out here again, requires a new set. You just can't load up a firmware update. This is a different tuner, a different part that yep. has to be built into the set. And that means TV stations, the, the whole broadcast industry, and, and really the government as well, since this is going to be another digital TV transition. There's going to have to be some kind of like cutover date when we all decide that we're going to shut off the old high-def broadcasts. And in theory, I talked to a guy at Panasonic and said, yeah, it would just be a little like, you know, dongle you'd plug into your TV's HDMI port that would add the ATSC 3.0 tuner. We'll see. It's going to make some people unhappy. On the other hand, if ATSC 3.0 means even more people can get high-def TV for free over the air and maybe get rid of their cable company and do so in places that are further from the TV transmitter towers, that's good. If this standard also, as it can, allows TV stations to start offering data services of their own, doing more interactive stuff over there instead of just doing one-way broadcasts, they're going to want to do it as well. Now, I have a question about that, which is, wouldn't they want to make it, for simplicity's sake, backwards compatible so that if you have the older tuners, you still get a signal? It's not going to have all the enhanced data. It's kind of like with regular radio. You have HD radio, okay, which is a digital carrier, a digital signal sent with your analog radio. And you could use a standard radio and hear the regular signal. But if you have an HD radio, you get the extra stuff. We got more extra stuff for you. With Rob Pegarero, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 pain relief hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait. You can qualify to immediately receive a pain relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we're talking here about making your current TV tuners obsolete, or as I said, Rob Peguerero, would they make it backwards compatible? They can't. It's something where, I mean, remember, the ATSC standard we have now is very old. This was developed in the mid-1990s. So we're talking just the video compression alone you could do back then was much less efficient than what you can do now. And so, you know, this isn't a case where you could sort of fit it next to older broadcast the way digital radio works, which, again, is digital next to analog. It's possible that in an alternate universe, they could have found some way to keep the old high-def broadcasts on the air. Maybe there'll be some transition period. I I don't know that the feds are going to want to really give a lot of free spectrum to the broadcasters so they can keep doing all the new ones for a while. Maybe different stations will opt into it one at a time. It's unclear how this is going to happen, but it seems like it is going to happen in, you know, sooner rather than later. So I assume here that maybe for most people, it's just going to be a dongle at first, and then later on, they'll buy the sets with a native tuner. Yeah, yeah. Many people watch TV over the air. Many others, their definition of TV is something that they stream on the internet. And of course, others will just stick with cable and satellite. And so, you know, the problem doesn't have to be intractable. There's definitely got to be some way to make it work. Okay, now with cable satellite, how many of them are actually producing this stuff? Oh, 4K, like none. Dish Network has made the most noise about it, but what they have right now is a system where it just sort of like trickles down a, a UHD movie to one of their DVRs overnight, and then you can watch it later on. All the stuff we've seen so far coming out has been online. Amazon is shooting a bunch of shows in 4K, making them available that way. Netflix has done it for a while. YouTube has some stuff like that. Now, the, the other issue with watching 4K online, you need a lot of bandwidth. Netflix's estimate is 25 megs and, and 25 megabits, and, and that's optimistic. You know, having seen how well Netflix can work on Verizon, I would want a faster connection than that. 
So you'd want 50 maybe. Yeah. And secondary issue, and this is not, you know, Netflix's fault. What if your ISP has some sort of data cap or, or tiered usage pricing? Comcast in a lot of markets is testing a 300 gigabyte cap. That is a lot of data, but maybe not so much if you're doing a lot of UHD viewing on Netflix. Let me tell you, that's not a lot, even if you're doing a lot of HD viewing on Netflix. Yeah, and so, you know, if UHD remains something that you only stream online, that's that's really going to hold it back. And so, in a weird way, this makes plain old Blu-ray discs a lot more um, fashionable once again, since they don't have these bandwidth constraints. Uh, you know, you could you could watch a Blu-ray movie on an airplane if your laptop had an optical drive, which of course almost nobody's does anymore. Now, so, the other issue to look at here is the fact that if you're going to have it on your satellite or a cable provider, there's still a bandwidth issue. You know, your satellites can only store so many channels. So yeah. I don't know how much extra capacity they have. Certainly, there are more efficient methods of encoding and compressing your Ultra HD or Ultra HD premium signal. But still, only a few channels can offer it right away. Dish Network, DirecTV, they'll have to put up new satellites. Additional capacity will have to be set up by your local cable provider. This doesn't happen overnight. So as you say, maybe the streaming services will get into the act. Maybe Ultra HD Blu-ray will take off if it's not too expensive. Yeah. And people say that, you know, yes, our our UHD set up converts things that are in HD. But, you know, this technology has to, if it just involves making what you already have look a little bit better through math, that's, seems like we, we should expect more of this than that. So right now, here's where we stand. We'll start seeing this year more sets with this HDR, Ultra HD Premium, first the more expensive sets, then filters down to the more affordable models. We'll see some more content, a little bit more content, maybe more stuff from Amazon Instant Video and Netflix, and maybe we'll see halting steps by the cable and satellite providers. Maybe. But we're, maybe, and then maybe two or three years from now, we'll start seeing these new TV tuners, these new digital tuners, more efficient able to get over the air ultra HD. But I'm seeing a three or four year process at the minimum to get this to take off. That's going to be a pretty expensive adventure, won't it? Right. Well, I guess the upside theoretically would be four years from now, then a lot of the HD TVs that all of us bought will really be showing their age. I mean, mine dates to 2009 and while it still works fine, looks great. A lot of the connected apps on some of the connected apps on this Sony don't work anymore. Uh, the YouTube app doesn't, doesn't run because uh, Google deprecated the API it used to connect to the site. Uh, there's one other streaming media app that no longer runs on that either, although I can't remember what it is offhand. You see, that's really the problem you have with smart TVs. Because as the technology changes, all those channels, all those extra features they're offering, all these extra apps, they slowly get outdated. So your three- or four-year-old set it can't run the current apps anymore because the hardware is not up to it or the apps will be deprecated so the older versions will not be allowed anymore. They won't support the older sets. What percentage of people who buy a smart TV even use those features? Yeah, I mean, I was having this discussion um, 
actually heading back from Dulles Airport after I came home from CES, the guy who's been in the industry for a while, and he said, you know, yeah, in some ways it would be better if you could just buy a TV that was just a monitor. You know, buy the expensive stuff that, you know, is, is going to run for a long time, the glass, the the circuitry underneath it. And then of all the smarts being some other device you can replace more often. But that's not how the industry works. And so you have all these smart TVs with their own app stores that run all their own apps. And it's, it's not quite clear how long any one of them is going to be around. Right. And then again, how many people even use them? Obviously, people who want Netflix can get it a whole bunch of ways. You get it on a streamer. You get it with your TV set or maybe with your Blu-ray player. So there are different ways of getting it. And if you can cast your computer or smartphone's output to your TV set, that's another way. Yeah, I could, I've got four different ways. There's the Netflix app on the TV. There's the one on the Blu-ray player. Uh, Chromecast, and I can always just plug my laptop into the TV's HDMI input. So one way or another, you can get it. But the TV makers now are really desperate, I think, because sales have been flat or slightly declining. So they must be desperate to get this 4K thing working so people will buy the set. Yeah. So to the to the industry, I guess I would say, good luck with that. <laughs> they're... they're Right now, I find many more reasons to wait another year or two to buy a UHD set than I do to buy one now. Well, the one reason is I don't have the money to pay for one. I've got a perfectly good 55-inch LCD set. And yes, each year there will be very tiny, teeny tiny improvements in the picture. But the core problems you still have with LCD aren't solved, such as lousy, lousy... uh, range viewing angle so if you're looking at the set from the side the picture's still going to be bad it's not like infinite viewing angles like plasma or oled okay so what about oled tvs i was wondering when you'd ask okay so now we have the cheapest oled sets are what three four thousand dollars yeah so oled has been around a while i actually had to look up when i first saw it at ces and i think it was 2007 it was an 11 inch sony that sold for twenty five hundred dollars uh and it has progressed from that. What OLED, that's organic light emitting diode, has in its favor is it's some of the same picture quality aspects that made people like plasma so much. The the blacks are completely black. You know, the, the whites are as bright as they can be. The color range is, is incredible. And unlike plasmas, OLEDs are very thin and very light. We're talking like quarter of an inch, an eighth of an inch. You can even fold them down, but we're going to do a break now. And then we'll get into more of this. But first, listeners, you want to check out the special feature we offer of the show, the Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com. We have the ad-free version of the show. More features to come, plus.technightowl.com. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. If your Mac has slowed down or isn't performing like it used to, there's a smart alternative to buying a new machine thanks to OWC. With easy do-it-yourself upgrades for every Mac, OWC has what you need to get the most from your computer. From memory and SSDs to ultra-fast external storage, take it from me. You'll discover all the ways you can upgrade your Mac today 
at MaxSales.com. That's MaxSales.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Winter has just begun, and are you already tired of being cold? How would you like to never be cold again? This is Dale with Fortress Clothing, and I'm here to tell you, you will never be cold again with Fortress. If you're tired of freezing your butt off, elk hunting, sitting in a tree stand, deer hunting, winter camping, fishing, ice fishing, no longer fear the cold. If you snowmobile, ski, snowboard, get Fortress. Sledding with the kids, shoveling the walks, shopping, or if you or your spouse get cold feet at home, get Fortress. If you're stuck outside working in the cold or find yourself in an emergency situation, get our winter bug out bag and you will never be cold again. Fortress is the answer, so quit complaining and go to FortressClothing.com. It's a mid-layer garment that goes with anything you want to wear. Enter coupon code RADIO and get 20% off any item. Go now while we still have inventory. FortressClothing.com Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. Hey guys, Pat Matthews here to tell you all about the newest and best way to sell your products online. It's BuySellMakeOffer.com, a brand new site to sell your stuff online. Your old golf clubs, sports equipment, tools, and yes, even your car. Forget about the other guys. BuySellMakeOffer.com will never charge you item fees. Go to the website now and sign up so that you can soon load all your stuff up to sell. This is not an auction site. Just use our resources along with Skype and videos to sell your items quickly and with no fees. Go right now to user-friendly BuySellMakeOffer.com where the first 30 days are on us. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. 
That's forum.technightowl.com. Rob Pegarero and I are talking about the Consumer Electronics Show CES in Las Vegas and about the new TV developments. We're talking about OLED, another TV technology that is taking a lot of time to filter down in price. Now, this is a question I have before we get there. Once upon a time, plasma was the best thing out there. Infinite viewing angle, beautiful pictures, rich blacks, great picture. And it went by the wayside. An inferior format, LCD, killed it. How? Why? Cost. It wasn't just that. There were a couple of strikes plasma had against it. One was just, you know, weight. Plasma's had multiple panes of glass. So, you know, this was something that was obvious the first time I reviewed a plasma and then an LCD. One of these sets definitely needed two people to take even a 40-inch set out of the box. For whatever reason, it didn't work for smaller screen sizes, whereas LCD you could covers the entire range of the lineup. Yeah, and the reality is most people are not videophiles. They don't obsess over, you know, tuning their TV's picture. And so they're going to buy, not on price alone, but price plus good enough. And LCD was good enough, even going back to 2008. And since then, it's kept getting better. The fluorescent backlighting in LCDs has been replaced by LEDs that make the picture brighter, increase your contrast. There are a whole host of other improvements that have sort of steadily chipped away with it. And the risk for OLED is that it is not going to get cheap enough before LCD, even, even relative to the great picture quality you get with OLED, is good enough in its own right. LG is the one company that's really placed a lot of its bets on OLED. They're the one company that seems to have gotten a good yield rate. They can make enough OLED screens from one given you know production run. But their pricing is still, for OLED, is still well above what they charge for LCDs. And they gave a presentation to a bunch of reporters and analysts saying, we think by 2018, was 2018, 2019, the price premium is going to go away, which is good. But what's LCD going to do over those same three, four years? Well, it's here's the thing about still. LCD that bothers me, always bothers me. The viewing angle. They've never seemed to be able to get that licked. Some are a little better than others. But that's always been the problem. Is that the limit of the technology or is there a solution? Because if they come up with that solution, that also eliminates another differentiation. They're working on it. You know, all these things, you talk to one company or another, that they will give you very good reasons why the TV they can sell you two years from now will be so much better than the one they can sell you now, which I always read that as an invitation to further postpone my next electronics upgrade. So it's always coming, but never quite here. All right, yes. so LG is optimistic about OLED. They'll get the prices down to a point where it really competes head-to-head with LCD. But that's so also going to involve other companies jumping into it and really working hard to improve the yield rate to bring the prices down. Is there any incentive for that? Well, it sort of depends. You know, OLED definitely seems like something you can sell to a videophile niche, and niches are often where you make the real profits. So we'll see. Panasonic was showing off an OLED screen where I think it is, in fact, LG components inside it. What you want is to have multiple people competing against each other because that's how prices go down. And with LCD, you had that. Plasma, you had Pioneer and Panasonic were the big backers of that. Every other company making TVs was putting money into making LCDs and making them cheaper and cheaper. And so that's just, you know, competitive pressures help drive down the cost of LCD faster than than plasma where you had fewer people going against each other. 
Even then, isn't it true that even with LCD sets, only a few companies actually make the LCD panels and everyone buys from the same part suppliers? Well, yes, but you still have competition at the retail level and that sort of all. Functioning markets have a lot of people trying very hard to eat each other's lunch. And I would not say the market for OLED screens really matches that description right now. And so if you're a videophile and you must have the best color, then OLED is it. And for everyone else, then you don't even consider OLED. What you want is for the video files themselves to have a choice of people selling OLED screens. And we are not there yet. Now, the other question, are there other technologies out there, nascent technologies that will be a better LCD or a replacement for LCD or something more competitive with OLED? Not that I know of. It was funny, actually, as I was walking to uh, take Metro to the airport to go to CES, block from my house, there were two TVs on on the curb, which, by the way, is not where you put a TV. The trash people will not pick up that thing full of glass and, and toxic metals of various kinds. One was an old tube TV. The other was a micro display, a digital DLP, digital light projection set, which for a while was going to be the cheap way to have a flat front TV with much less depth than a CRT, although not as thin as an actual flat panel LCD. That technology has gone by the wayside because LCDs got good enough and cheap enough. Okay, so that's where we stand now in terms of technology. You're not betting on OLED. You know, I, I want it to do well. I would like to have that as an option, but it's not something on my must-have list. You're just figuring tiny, tiny improvements in LCD over the years. It will whittle away at the advantages. It won't replace them. Maybe it will with some new technology. What about 3D? Is that dead in the water now? Pretty or is much. there going to be a 3D technique that won't require the glasses, which has been you promised? You can do glasses-free but- 3D with 4K, because there you have the picture resolution. Doing that, however, then gets you, you're left with a glasses-free 3D picture that's only 1080p. Now, I think 3D's future place is set at theaters. I did see Star Wars The Force Awakens in 3D. And it was nice to have that extra dimension. You could obviously see the movie wasn't done to look best of all in 3D. It wasn't like Avatar. At home, no, it hasn't gone anywhere. You know, no one's doing live material in in 3D. And certainly at CES, almost no one was talking about it. LG had a 3D highlight reel playing in one corner of its exhibit. You would see 3D touted as a, a feature of one kind or another in various places. But the industry as a whole would really like to change the subject if you talk about 3D TV at this point. You know, I did see Star Wars The Force Awakens in 3D with my son Grayson. He took his dad to the movies. He was here for a couple of weeks from his home in Spain. And the reason we saw it in 3D was not because we went there with that desire. It was what screen is available now to see this film? Oh, the 3D, it's only 40% filled or the next one in the regular 2D screen was 40 minutes away. We wanted to see the film now. Grayson was willing to pay the extra dollar or two. So we saw it in 3D. That's the entire nice. reason. Yeah, so 3D TV, it, it, it's come and gone. Uh, I, I, I can confirm that the Blu-ray UHD spec does. The Samsung player can play 3D discs as well. Uh, I asked them if it would also play a DVD audio disc, uh, which was this ill-fated, ultra-high-fidelity audio standard. They didn't know. So quite possibly it does not. Well, if they don't know, it definitely doesn't. 
Well, you never know. People on the show floor, the, 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 the rule at CES is the people who are actually showing off the things are not automatically going to know more than whatever was in their, their talking point script they got that morning. We have Rob Pegarero, who never uses a talking point script. He makes Maybe it I up should. as he goes. <laughs> and he makes it up as he goes along. I'm Gene Steinberg. That's what I do. That's why I'm here. It's the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. Are you looking to sell body armor? Want to make extra money selling body armor at your local gun shows? With low minimum buys and great returns, KD Armor is the answer. Make money in your spare time. It's American-made body armor with the quickest turnaround in the industry, which means you get your product when you need it at very competitive rates. And they'll ship it to you for free. If you own a business, give them a call today at 855-488-KD. That's 855-488-2284. Or go to KDArmor.com. Come and take it. As if chlorine in our water weren't bad enough, now they're adding ammonia? It's true. Some municipalities are now adding ammonia plus chlorine to your water supply. It's a disinfectant called chloramine. But with a trusted Big Berkey water filter, you can keep chloramine out of your water. New NSF EPA certified lab tests show EPA Berkey water filters remove chloramines, pharmaceuticals, BPA, pesticides, bacteria and viruses, all forms of fluoride, and much more. Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market. The gold standard in water purification. And our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get your Big Berkey today. Call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Do you have difficulty taking supplements? Are you searching for a high-quality, complete nutritional drink that your whole family will love? Nutramedical's Life Support has arrived. All of your daily nutritional requirements in one quick, delicious drink. Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support is a proprietary blend of vegan protein, activated vitamins, essential minerals, amino acids, probiotics, green tea, digestive enzymes, anti-inflammatories, cancer prevention, detoxification, and much more. Your body will high-five you for this one. Life Support is the best complete nutritional 
delicious meal replacement on the market. Whether you are an elite athlete, have post-operative challenges, chronic illness, elderly, or a family that just wants a quick, delicious drink, try Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support for optimized nutrition in one great-tasting smoothie. Just add cold water, almond milk, fruit, or anything else you like. Nutramedical's Life Support. Try our great-tasting chocolate or vanilla today. Call 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Nutramedical.com for the whole family. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So there's a story. TV at CES, it's all about 4K, except there's a little 8K going on there. But that's even more absurd than 4K, isn't it? Yeah, I, I really don't know why. And, and the 8K demos are, are so contrived. There was one I saw where, you know, when the highlight reel includes things like close-ups of box scores or stock tables from the newspaper, show footage people actually watch. There's, you know, anyone who suggests that 8K is going to make 4K obsolete is definitely sniffing some kind of glue because that's... You know, everything that's an issue with 4K, content availability, being able to see the extra resolution, having bandwidth to stream this stuff, is four times worse for 8K. So I would just assume those companies, it's a nice attention-grabbing thing to have a demo of your 96-inch 8K screen, but no one cares. There goes the TV. My impression from what you say is, unless you need a TV set this year, don't worry about it. Give it a couple, yep. three years. Yep, no rush. All right. Is that the reason, by the way, that Apple didn't include 4K support in Apple TV because of all this flux in the standards? I don't think so, because this, you know, th that's a device that gets its own software updates. And adding HDR is, is something that, you know, that that's should be quite easily doable by the current Apple TV hardware. So I don't know why they did that, but I'm quite sure that the next Apple TV update will add 4K support. That's a given. I think the chip in there, the A8 chip, can handle it. The other question is the HDMI standard is not the latest. Can an HDMI standard be changed with mm, the firmware update, that... or does it require actual pins and such? Yeah, I don't think that's enough that you can do in software, although... At the same time, it would be odd for Apple to be including an HDMI output on the Apple TV that, that I would like to think you don't have some huge cost savings by using an obsolete version of HDMI. You know, the same licensing fees and whatnot are involved either way. It's possible here then that Apple has designed this with the intent to upgrade. Because I think for customers, they introduce an all-new version for 2015, and less than a year later, it's 5K and HDR without adding that support to the existing models, I think people are going to complain. 
It doesn't mean that we stop Apple, Apple, but it's still Apple. (laughs) As you say, it's Apple. Maybe they don't care. Yeah, I mean, there's enough precedent for that. It was some Mac 2 high-end model that lasted on the market like six months. Was it the 2VX? (laughs) And they they came with a newer one that that made the old one look awful overnight. Yeah, that was like an hour later. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so we know Apple might just do that, although we can always hope for a firmware update capability. All right, what else at CES was interesting. Anything really new there on display that hints of an emerging technology that will represent a product we could buy in the next year or two? Oh, you want that? Yeah, I don't know. Beyond the the, the HDTVs and the IoT stuff, uh, you know, lots of people bringing drones to the market, uh, which of course now you, you have to, you're supposed to register with the Federal Aviation Administration. It was interesting to see at least one of these companies making a point of advertising that all their drones weighed under 0.55 pounds, meaning they're exempt from that requirement. Uh, I would not be surprised to see no registration required become a real selling point. And my theory is the FAA won't mind if the market, the consumer market shift towards really lightweight drones that people don't need to register. Those are also the ones that aren't going to do much damage. If something that's like four tenths of a pound hits your house, fine. Uh, you know, runs into a tree, whatever. It, it's the drone's gonna. That's the end of the drone, and everything else is fine. And I think they'd be okay with that. Well, I just wonder how Amazon's going to deliver your merchandise by drone. <laughs> you know, right now the Federal Express guy came here today to bring us actually a brand new router from Netgear. It's supposed to be somewhat faster than the Airport Extreme from Apple. Whatever. The key here is he physically drops off the box, gives our dog a fit. But what would happen if you heard this sound, the droning of a drone landing in front of our house? I think your dog would be even more upset. Well, the other question is, how do you alert people? I mean, this guy, the Federal Express guy, he knocks on your door. So what happens with your drone? A hand, an electronic hand comes out and knocks on your door and then if somebody is injured... Probably some push notification on your phone, which you'll then ignore because it came in the middle of 30 others. Ouch. That's no good. Well, all right, drones. Drones are a big deal now. Yes, all over the place. Well, as a matter of fact, here on our other show, The Paracast, we set up a Paracast video channel for our subscribers to our premium service, Paracast Plus. And there's a video there which shows a drone taking pictures of a possible lost city. So there you go. Mm, neat. Or as they say, neato. <laughs> right. Past drones, what else? Well, um, connected appliances, not just the Internet of Things. It's often seen in terms of tiny gadgets like light bulbs or thermostats. But you also see a lot of home automation emerging into big things like refrigerators, washing machines, dryers, dishwashers. And so, for instance, Whirlpool, they had a setup showing how their dishwasher is going to be able to reorder its own detergent from Amazon automatically for you. Samsung spent a lot of time showing off this Family Hub fridge, which has a 21-and-a-half-inch touchscreen in the front. And really on the fence about this model. On the one hand, like, it addresses a lot of legitimate use cases. Everyone comparing their schedules, um, you know, do we need ordering food, putting your shopping list together? 
even like it has cameras on the inside, something I saw a lot of in fridges at the IFA trade show in Berlin in September. The idea being you can break out your phone while you're in the grocery store and and have the fridge show you what's inside based on the picture these cameras take. The problem here is that this Family Hub fridge is really a general purpose computer that happens to keep beer cold. And Samsung, I don't think anyone can have a really good story to explain how we know this is still going to be supported, that all of its connected apps and services are still going to work 15 years from now. That's with any kind of programmable computerized system like that. It's the same problem. That's the Achilles heel. It's not like, for example, you buy a refrigerator, you turn it on, and you have it for 20 years. And maybe you need a repair along that time. But it's a 20-year product, maybe. And you don't worry about something being obsolete because it's a refrigerator. It's a toaster oven. But as soon as you start adding all this connected garbage, suddenly you date that equipment. You're paying more for it. And you have to replace it more often or they have to have some system where they could exchange the modules for it. Exactly what we were talking about with smart TVs running their own apps. So does that work against the Internet of Things? Depends. You know, if you're talking about simpler software that doesn't do much, I mean, in general, I don't want IoT devices to be running general purpose operating systems. They should run basically the dumbest possible software available to do their assigned jobs because that way it's easier to secure. You know, there's less bits to update. You know, I I don't want to have, you know, a full-fledged Android stack that then, you know, means a bigger threat surface. Um, Don't need that kind of anxiety in my life. And I'm not sure. I, I strongly suspect that a lot of the companies on the show floor at CES have not been starting with a security first mindset. They've been starting with a make money first mindset. So they may get to market quickly, but it's going to be with things that are not shipping in a secure state that will wind up being easily exploited down the line. Now, another area where we're seeing more computerized product and services is the car. Now, of course, we have Android Auto and Apple CarPlay and all that, but you also have more and more computerized features, autonomous driving. Doesn't that create a potential security problem when you're adding all that gear into your car? I'm going to ask about that and have Rob Pegarero give us an answer on the other side. One more segment left. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. It's about time something new came along for better selling and buying online, and I found it. It's BuySellMakeOffer.com, a brand new company that's the newest and best way to sell products online. You can even use Skype or video to sell your car, home, any product. You get 30 days free, packages starting from only $7.95, and BuySellMakeOffer.com never charges item fees ever. Just go sign up, then load your stuff to sell. I love this site. BuySellMakeOffer.com. Got it? BuySellMakeOffer.com. Better selling, better buying. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if you had no contract, no activation fees, no hidden costs, tracking, tracing, harvesting customer data, or draconian gimmicks? All on the nation's best 4G LTE network. Introducing PIX Wireless. Bring your phone and other qualifying devices to PIX and choose a plan starting at only $14 a month. Get connected now. Call or click 1-866-267-2056 or PIXWireless.com. Spelled P-I-X, wireless.com. Pick PIX and get connected today. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
So we have all these great features in cars. And I was looking, for example, at the Volkswagen Passat, which I happen to like. I think it's a real good car. The 2016 version, they've jumped into adding all these special braking and lane change and blind spot monitoring features, half a dozen of these things with more sensors and cameras, more computerized systems, more things to go wrong. I mean, if you got a lane change system and it goes wonky, what happens? You know, it was, it was interesting hearing Google's, uh, the, the guy who runs Google's Moonshots program, uh, Google X, his name is Astro Teller. He gave a talk at South by Southwest last year where he related what happened the first time they, they started doing widespread field testing of their self-driving car. They gave a bunch of these Lexus cars equipped with the software and the cameras and everything to their employees and said, you know, you know we want you to test these. You know, the condition is because we're doing this test, we're going to have a camera inside the car to see your interaction with it to, you know, make sure you're being a safe driver and you have to sign this agreement that you will, in fact, keep your hands on the wheel and pay attention to the road at all times. What happened instead is that once the, the, the Lexus got on the highway, the person driving it all stopped paying attention to the car because they trusted the software. And so that that's what led Google to decide, like, they need to have a self-driving car that is so good, so reliable, there's no steering wheel at all. And because, as you put it, once people trust the software, they trust it completely. And so you, you it's delusional to expect the human being to be your, your fail-safe. You know, that may be true of, like, someone flying a the Boeing 787 who is trained and has all this, you know, extensive certification requirements. There's this whole culture of safety in commercial aviation we don't really have so much in driving. So, yeah, driverless cars, the software had better be designed. You know, you want something that is going to fail gracefully. The failure mode can't be coming to a screeching halt in the middle of the highway. It has to be pulling off and coming and slowing to a stop under control. Uh, you know, you can never have something where bad things are going to happen unless the driver has perfect reflexes. And that's something that is, you know, it's going to be a long conversation between car manufacturers and, and departments of transportation around the country and departments of motor vehicles, DMVs. Oh, boy. I'm just thinking of the hands of the hacker. I know that Jeep had a recall once to fix a security problem. So that was an interesting case. This was the one that Wired reported on, uh, I guess, this summer. And what had happened there is they were able to exploit a vulnerability in the inter- the software running the car's entertainment unit. Why that would ever need to talk to the software that, you know, that helps the car's engine run really escapes me. And that's a case of just it looked to me like bad system design. You want to have things as siloed as possible. And, and like I was saying, keep the software as dumb as possible. So, you know, you, you want the, the software running the radio to have no interest and no knowledge of what the, the engine is up to. There's no reason for the one to talk to the other. Maybe you'd want to have the car volume increase automatically as you go faster. But, you know, there's got to be some simple way to do that that doesn't allow a path that a hacker could then exploit. That's all we need. Okay, in terms of automotive developments, is it all the autonomous thing? Is that what's consuming the new technology and the infotainment systems? Well, no, a lot of it is also just plain old finding better ways to in- integrate the, the smarts of your smartphone. And so you have companies sort of lining up. Are they going to support Android Auto only, CarPlay only, or both? Uh, you know, one, one analyst I know, his theory for a while has been like, you know, they will all support all these platforms that Apple and Google are doing, but they're going to be confined to the really higher-end dealer package. So if, if you want to have CarPlay support or Android Auto, you're going to have to spend 
it'll be part of a $2,000 upgrade that also gets you, I don't know, seat warmers and uh, <laughs> high-definition backup camera. Other stuff you may not necessarily want, but you're going to have to take to get this. So doesn't that make things difficult? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It would be nice to have our now 10-year-old vehicle do a better job of talking to my phone. But on the other hand, you know, we've got a basic smartphone mount that clips onto one of the uh, air vents, puts the phone right between the steering wheel and display with the, the, the car's built-in GPS. That's not so bad. I still worry about autonomous driving, though, whether that will ever happen. Because there's so many pitfalls. It's bad enough to have a human driver in there messing things up. Now, one thing I like, of course, is the auto park capability, the ability to maybe do or help you with parallel parking or do it by itself. That to me is attractive. But to take a 500 mile trip, you know, from Arizona to wherever 500 miles takes you somewhere in California, for example, I don't know that I want to do that and then just nod off and expect the car to get me there safely. I mean, for someone who gets older, and I'm not a kid anymore, and I think of it in this term, okay, I'm getting older, and maybe there'll come a time when I can't drive safely, and I'm not in a position financially to pay for someone to take me in a plane or a bus or whatever. I have the car. I'd love to be able to drive it. Either I get a driver, or I have a car that's autonomous, and it takes me where I want to go. Of course, some people have tell me where I want to go, but that's another thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's, I personally, yeah, people are not great drivers. So I don't have a problem with self-driving cars taking over that role over time. I, I think it's going to be a long time before we have this. People like to talk about self-driving cars as meaning like, oh, we can have cars will automatically drive bumper to bumper on the highway at 90 miles an hour. So we don't need to invest in like rails or, or airlines. They're all obsolete. No, uh, it's one thing to have autonomous vehicles driving much safer on the current roads than other cars can. It's another thing to banish human-driven vehicles from them. And once you have one and the other mixing, I mean, the hardest part for autonomous driving is software that, that reacts to people's own bad driving habits. You know, the, the, I guess pretty much all the uh, actual collisions that have taken place with Google's vehicles, <laughs> I think they've all been getting rear-ended by human drivers who didn't expect that, I don't know, the car would actually stop in an intersection or refrain from running over a person. And so, bang, it's the back of the self-driving car. And I, I guess the, the driver at fault was very confused to see what they just did. I don't know. Well, as I said, the idea makes sense. I assume it's going to probably happen anyway. We can't stop it. But one more question before we let you go. The yes. Apple car. Is there going to be an Apple car? Now, Elon Musk the head of Tesla and SpaceX, the former PayPal executive, he says it's an open secret. It's an open secret? What do you think? I'm, I'm inclined to, to believe that. I still don't know why Apple wants to do this because, you know, what exactly do they... This is, this is not... To compare this to the iPhone is a mistake because the iPhone wasn't that much of a stretch. Apple knew how to make a good handheld device, you know, running software. They knew how to make, you know, a good web browser. It wasn't a huge stretch. Cars are a whole different thing. You know, just setting up a dealership network, how many man hours and millions of dollars does Tesla had to spend just on going to every single state legislature in America and sort of figuring out how to set up a dealer infrastructure? 
Apple or somebody else can, to some degree, benefit in that Tesla's done this work and it's sort of opened up room for vehicle manufacturers to own their own dealerships. So other companies get that feature for free. But yeah, I don't know. And I'm like, what exactly does Apple know about making car engines? You know, they know batteries, which is why in an earlier episode I said, I would like to see Apple compete with Tesla in making its own power wall, a battery backup for your own home. That's something Apple knows how to do. Well, we want to know more about what you do, Rob Peguerero. Where can we find it? You can find me on Twitter as at Rob Peguerero. I'm at robpeguerero.com. I write for USA Today and Yahoo Tech. You can find me occasionally at The Wirecutter as well. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. We have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Paracast. At Paracast.com this week, we'll hear from Alan Greenfield, who will talk about other realities, other dimensions. I'm serious. Paracast.com. I'm also serious about Tech Night Owl Plus. It's where we offer the ad-free version of this show, better quality audio, Tech Night Owl Minute coming, lots more for a low monthly, annual, five-year, even a lifetime subscription rate. It's worth it, folks. Help support the show. Check out Tech Night Owl Plus, P-L-U-S dot Rob Peguerero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. You're welcome. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.